Hi there, my name is Zulu, founder of Kureria, and welcome to the first episode of the Kureria podcast. We are an online publication that's focused on amplifying the voices of youth that are making change and impact in their communities. And today on the first episode, we'll be having a guest that needs little introduction, but we'll introduce her anyway. Her name is Titi Lope Adedokun. Titi and I have been friends for a long time now, but I'm very excited for you to get to know her, get to know her journey. She is a feminist advocate and she's a founder of SisterlyHQ.com, which is a community that amplifies the voices of African women and connects them with tools and resources that helps them thrive in their chosen paths. She's also a pioneer LinkedIn top voice for Africa. And she's on a mission to help individuals and companies alike create sustainable change and put social impact at the forefront of their mission. So yeah, this was very interesting to record with Titi Lope. There were a lot of issues, but we got down to it and we were able to bring it, this episode to you. And she drops a lot of wisdom. She tells us about her journey, the things she's learned, the things she's unlearning, and of course, what change means to her. I hope this inspires someone to create change in their community. If, Of course, if you have any feedback, please feel free to send us an email, crewareaonline at gmail.com. If you'd like to get involved with Crewarea, you could also send us an email and check out crewarea.com online to see the short form of this, of this interview and all the other articles that we have up on our website. Thank you. Enjoy the, the interview. <laughs> Hi, Titi. Thank you for joining in today's episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Kuraria podcast. Um, I think I shared with you the idea for Kuraria before I started it. Mm-hmm. And it has evolved so many times and we're finally here. And I think uh, we finally have like a clear path on what we want to do and what we want to achieve with Kuraria, the podcast and the website and the community and all of that. I'm really glad that you're here today to speak to us about yourself and about Sisterly HQ, which is an amazing community of Nigerian women who are providing opportunities, writing articles, and telling the authentic stories of Nigerian women. So, yeah, first off, mm-hmm. how are you? How's your day going? <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm so excited to be here, and I am really rooting for you. I'm really rooting for Kurere. So, um, yeah, my day has been pretty chill. It's a very slow Sunday. You know, went to church. Um, actually had online church in the morning, preparing to go back to school very soon. And, yeah, that's nice. a typical Sunday for me. <laughs> nice, very chill, very relaxing. So, um, first off, I would like to know, like, who is Titi Lopayadidukwa? You mentioned that you're in school now. So I'd just like to know about yourself, your background, um, yeah. what you're doing right now. And yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zulu. So let me just put this out there. I have a cold and cough. So just that may affect my voice. But yeah. So um, who is Titi Lokwe? That's a very good question. Thank you, Zulu. <laughs> That's a very good question. So um, yeah, I'm very passionate about equality. I'm very passionate about telling authentic stories of women. And I'm also very passionate about connecting women and young people to opportunities and resources. 
and you know i feel like there is a massive gap when it comes to information access to information and access to opportunities and resources not just for women but pretty much everybody in nigeria and so for me being able to live that you know live my life um you know bridging that gap is really what gets me going so but beyond my passions i'm also a student i'm actually rounding up my law degree should be done by september by the grace of god um yeah and i'm very at this moment i'm also very passionate about social impact within the tech space and i'm currently actually pursuing and exploring a career in that field um so all of my passions and you know everything that i've been through so from you know being um from you know um from being raised in a family where, you know, I was surrounded by women, my sisters, my mom, and, you know, even going to secondary school, university, all of these things have led me to who I am today. And I think that, you know, I'd like to think that they all led me to create Sisterly HQ, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you've spoken about just, um, you know, just a few moments ago. Um, Sisterly HQ is basically that platform, that safe space, that community that helps women to be the best version of themselves. So we do this, you know, um, by telling the stories, authentic stories of Nigerian women, and also by connecting women to opportunities and resources. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much, you know, who I am in a nutshell. Um, as I said earlier, I'm very passionate about equality. I'm also very passionate about baking shows. <laughs> so it's not just all, you know, it's not just all serious, serious, you know, saving the world kind of thing. When it comes to me, I, I, I love, I love a good, I love a good yeah. competitive baking show. And I love to have, you know, great conversations like this. I am the kind of person that believes that conversations can solve any problem just because I know how much I have gained from conversations and I know how much I give in conversations as well. So I think that conversations are a beautiful thing. And once again, I'm very honored to be here and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you so much, Titi, for that very detailed um about you section <laughs> of this interview. <laughs> I feel like you told us like you've covered like most of the questions that I planned on asking, which is great. <laughs> You've told us about yourself, about Sisterly HQ. And just to mention, I agree that you are one of the best people to have like conversations with. Because I feel like when you go into a conversation with Titi, you come out like learning something new about yourself, about your work, just about life oh, generally. I think so she's very good at like giving <laughs> advice, but also taking advice too. And just yeah. <laughs> whether it's about like, career work or even just life or just normal gist i think you're really good at conversations and i totally agree that a conversation can definitely solve like most problems which is why i'm happy Mm -hmm. to have this conversation with you today i want people to learn more about you about the work that sisterly hq is doing and about you personally because titi is a rock star uh sisterly hq aside she has achieved so much and she's very inspiring like Right now, she's a LinkedIn top voice. She's won so many awards. Like she even wrote a LinkedIn post once about how most of her friends see her. As, like, I don't know if you said you were like a perpetual winner. I don't remember the phrase you used, but honestly, yeah. I agree. because I guess like the your percep- the perception of like a person, like, you see the person winning, 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 but the person has actually done like a lot of work in the background. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think. Again, check out Titi Lopo on LinkedIn. Shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, like I said, you've answered my question about like sisterly hate. 
<laughs> you went, you, yeah, no problem, Titi. You've answered my question about Sisterly HQ. I was going to ask you how you started it um, and the goal, like the mission and vision of Sisterly HQ. Um, and I guess I already know like why it was so important for you to start Sisterly HQ because you wanted you wanted to like tell the authentic stories of of, of Nigerian women. But I remember you told me a story once about another reason why you started Sisterly HQ. I don't know if you want to speak about it. Um, about how you there was a website. I think both of us used to read i think you sent me articles (laughs) on it on the website and i got hooked and i started i still like check out the website (laughs) i don't remember the name of the website actually but you said that like i don't know if you want to yeah let me just yeah that's fine (laughs) let me just jump in yeah thank you so much that that was a great background and thank you so much for all the accolades and all the you know my head was just like swelling and everything so thank you So yeah, um, I mean, um, for me, um, the journey to study HQ, um, I started to study HQ in 2021, but the journey really began way before then. So I love to read, gosh, ever since when I was little. I think I read my my first full-length novel when I was like in primary six, Mary's Christmas. Probably not a book I should have been reading at that age, right? But I read it and it was very long. Like, so wow. You know, I've always loved, I've always really loved, you know, um, just reading and, you know, just, I've always loved reading and just, you know, just soaking up information. And, you know, growing, when I was a bit older, like, I think, I can't remember when exactly I started reading this website, I can't remember the age, but a few years back, I said to read this website, which was dedicated to just telling the stories of American, at least women in the diaspora, so mostly American or British women. And these stories were told from such a rich and original perspective. And I love that they were telling the stories that nobody was necessarily talking about. So they were talking about money, something that I had not really seen other mm-hmm. people talk about, you know, from a female perspective from a woman's perspective they were talking about relationships they were talking about politics and it was so interesting and so exciting and you know um the great thing was I could read these things and I could relate in some way right but I couldn't relate all the way through because the story like the um I mean we all have being um being all human beings we all have lived and shared experiences but the fact is that our backgrounds, you know, mm-hmm. are um, where we live, where we grew up in, the community that we're raised, our country, these things will make our um, experiences different. So to that extent, I wasn't able to relate it all the way through. So while it was amazing and I could learn and I've, I've learned so many things about, you know, other places that are outside Nigeria and Africa, I was I still had that yearning and that longing to be able to read these things through the perspective and the eye of an African or a Nigerian woman. So for me, that I think that that really started to rush, and I was like, oh wow, I'm very interested. Like someone at that time, I didn't know it was me, but I used to think like someone should you know create something like this for Nigerian women. So I would say that that was, you know, the first thing that probably jolted me to think, okay, something like Sisterly HQ needs to exist. However, at the time, I didn't know that I was the one that was supposed to create it. But I just, you know, you know the way, like, we all think, somebody, you know the way we always think, okay, somebody yeah. should do this, someone should solve this problem, right? But I, at the time, I didn't know that I was the one to that was i was the one that would solve the problem so that aside right um so i would say that the next experience that i had in terms of you know creating study history was in 2018 so i worked with my faculty so i went to university of lagos faculty of law which you also did as well Woo, 
<laughs> so um I, I i um i was in a committee that worked together <laughs> that worked on a book um that told the stories of nigerian women and also told you know told the stories as about struggles and successes and it was such a profound experience for me because i got to you know go around lagos interviewing some of the best some of the most amazing women that nigeria has to offer and you know, it's so crazy that these women have achieved so much and you know that experience was very inspiring to me but it also made me realize that oh my god these women are phenomenal but like nobody was telling their stories you know nobody was telling their stories or nobody is telling their stories. So in my mind, I was like, okay, if nobody is telling the stories of these amazing, phenomenal woman, women, rather, who's going to be telling the stories of regular old me and regular old you and, you know, just every average Nigerian woman that is just trying to, you know, make the best of what like the, of the things that they have. So that was like the second experience that, you know, was like, okay, you know what, someone has to do something about this. Again, <laughs> you know, you would think, you would think that would be like, okay, Titlokwe has to do something about that. But no, I kept saying somebody and I, I didn't think the person was going to be me. Me and Sha knew that somebody should mm-hmm. do something about it. And that's the person's business. <laughs> me, I was like, me, I was just thinking about it, right? It then um, yeah. the, third ex- <laughs> the third experience, I would now say really... <laughs> <laughs> the third experience I will now say that really hit the hammer on the head for me really was in 2019, I think. Yeah, 2019, um, 2019, if I'm not wrong, I participated in a Wikipedia Dissathon with African Women on Board, which is like um, an NGO that's dedicated to like gender equality and women empowerment. And what did we do in the whole, like in the Dissathon, right? We just sat down and we created Wikipedia pages for prominent Nigerian women. And I got to like actually like you know do that research and find out about these women so that I would be able to tell their stories on Wikipedia and you know allow more women and even just anybody to see their stories and you know the history their history <laughs> her story rather um, you know <laughs> on the Wikipedia website and for me that really made me understand that again women are doing phenomenal things in Nigeria and even all over the world but who is telling those stories? And again, you know, it came to me as per these women that I'm even writing about. These are women that are very accomplished. These are women that I even knew their names. If somebody told me that some of these women that I wrote, you know, I, I mean, I wrote that Wikipedia page, so I contributed to the writing of that Wikipedia page, didn't have a Wikipedia page before, I'd be like, it's a lie. They should have. So in my mind, it was like, right. if these women don't even have anybody or many people telling their stories, then again, who's telling the stories of regular people like me and you and every other, I mean, most women in Nigeria. So then, you know, it really dawned on me that someone, and then I started to think maybe me could do something about it. And so for the longest time, right, I used to, I had the idea for Cicely HU. I didn't know it was going to be Cicely HU at the time. But, you know, it was, I had so many things that were going on with my life. I had so many things on my hands. I still do, right? But um, I didn't, I mean, I don't know whether I was cold feet or maybe because I just felt like I had a lot on my plate. I just didn't think it was the right time to start anything. Or maybe I did not think I was equipped. But I would say that the breakthrough really came in 2021 last year and i participated i i did this coaching program with aya chibi i mean you know of her and it was such a transformative experience for me when it comes to my activism i got to learn that i have what it takes and you know all i need is me and you know of course with the support of 
my amazing friends and family of which you're one and you know and i can do this thing like i can be the chain that i want to see i wish you know i mean it's not as easy as i am saying it now because obviously i had fights <laughs> i had i had to fight some battles in my head so the imposter syndrome or fact that oh my god hey i'm just a university students at the time and you know one thing i i, I mean i i said this yesterday in a conversation in a call with someone that you know when i started sisterly hq thinking mm-hmm. looking back it was like the wrongest time i couldn't have started sisterly hq at the worst time because i mean it was like one month or so to my final exams in the university i just i think i was in the process of applying or i had just applied to law school meaning that i knew that yeah. there was a chance i would be starting law school in like two three months like it was just like the wrongest time but I feel like I didn't feel ready. I don't ever feel ready for things like that, but I just decided to do it. And, you know, I will still allude to the fact that I have the best village around me. I call them my village. I have the best family. I have the best friends. I have the best support. And, you know, my people my people always show up for me. And even with starting to study history, people showed up for me abundantly. And it was just amazing. So, um, yeah. So, it, for me, starting to study HQ, I had an idea. I had, had a dream. But it was not as straightforward as, you know, um. It, it may seem from afar it was just really a journey of learning and unlearning and you know a journey of doing it afraid because I was scared I still am very scared you know sometimes but you know it was a journey of just doing it and knowing that I have what it takes to do this and I also have the support and the resources that I need to do it so that's that's in a nutshell <laughs> you said so much and I think like there's so many questions I want to ask but I'll just start off with <laughs> like some things you said. I want to point some things out about how you kept saying that, oh, you think that this problem needs to yeah. be solved. You think it needs to be solved, but you were like, okay, someone else will deal with it. And honestly, that's like sort of, I feel like that is <laughs> the, I wouldn't say issue, but the mindset of many about how they will be like, okay, no. Like, I know yeah. that this is an issue that needs to be solved. I, I know that it is necessary to fill this gap, but I'll just wait for someone else to do it. And I think that's mm-hmm. that is something that honestly brings a lot of people down when they don't, because that comes from a, pl- a place of um, not really believing in yourself or believing that you can achieve something. You just keep pushing it on to someone else yeah. to handle it. And I hope that for people listening, they they learn from your story of how you were not, you didn't believe that you'd be able to, not that you didn't believe, but you didn't really think that you would be the one to solve the problem, but you knew that there was a problem. But you just started. And I think that that was amazing. And you also said that you started at the wrong the wrong time. You had this dream and everything, but like, <laughs> if you hadn't started, first of all, we wouldn't have Sisterly HQ. We wouldn't have this community. But apart from that, you started at seemingly the wrong time, but you are thriving right now and you just pushed through. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned something about um, your your village. And I love, again, I'm, I'm saying I love that, I love that, I love that. But I actually really do, like, I, I relate a lot to a lot of the things that you said. And personally, I have as you describe them, a village around me too. Mostly women. Shout out to all the women in the yes. world. <laughs> or mostly women. <laughs> and I think that that is so important to have just like a community of people who can push you on to just 
do things like when you feel down you know that you talk to this person and they will i guess sort of hype you up so like having your own personal hype squad and i think that that's great and i know that you are very passionate about building a community even from your linkedin um but like do you have any advice for any young person who maybe they feel alone right now or they want to have like a community or a group of people who they can Mm-hmm. quote-unquote run to or who they can even share ideas with discuss with get um a boost of energy from and all of that thank you so much zulu and you know i think that this is something that you know everybody struggles with so even i mean you'd be surprised to know that even with the fact that i have my village right there have been times where i have felt alone times where i have felt lonely so even i feel like you know just even having a village doesn't mean that there are times where you wouldn't I mean not necessarily feel lonely or alone these bouts may come once in a while um but you know what I I would say the first step something that helps me or something that's helped me um you know in generally finding my village will just be um first of all opening up I think you know when we're able to share our successes when we're able to share our struggles when we're able to share where we are at in life then we can find people with similar experiences and then we form these bonds. Because for me, a lot of people, except like obviously my family, right? Everybody else who I, you know, come to think of as my village are people that I have probably had like shared experiences with or people that I've had like, you know, conversations with. And, you know, it's from opening up and actually going out to um, you know, speak my truth and, you know, just existing loudly in a way that way I was able to, find them out pretty much and they were able to find me out as well so there's a lot of reward in you know being yourself first of all there's also a lot of reward in sharing the way that like being open with your feelings being open with your struggles being open with your successes because the truth is for if you're trying to build that type of community you're most likely going to like people are drawn to people that they have similar or shared experiences with so if you think like anybody can think about this if you think about your you know five your group of people you have something in common and how will you know that you have this thing in common except like you share these experiences or you share these um, you know similarities or struggles or success or whatever so there's a lot of joy in opening up and sharing these things and you know coming yeah. from nigeria you know where we are taught for most of us like i think that's maybe like 80 percent of the population were thought to do life were taught rather to do life alone and to be hush hush about everything and in a way i get it right village people <laughs> but i I've, I've, i believe that there's still a lot of reward and you know just being open opening up and you know sharing these experiences sharing these you know struggles sharing these successes and telling your story because sometimes when you take that first step then people will look at you and say wow i can relate to that and then from there you find a community um and then the second thing i would just emphasize is that if you want a community if you want a village be prepared to give the energy that you want to receive so you cannot expect that you will have people that will rally around you if you are not going to rally around anybody. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. This is life, man, and it's not even like I mean, I don't like I don't even want to. I'm not commodifying this and saying life is give and take or whatever. No, it's just simple. It's just simple. I don't even know. I don't say it's just simple life. Like you need to give value to people so that you also will receive value. So I remember um two months ago, so I was having a conversation with my mentor because again, you know, I said. Mm -hmm. exactly you know like again i said that you know sometimes i struggle with even 
being alone or feeling lonely, even though I have my village. And I was having a conversation with my mentor. And um, I mean, you'd be surprised to know this, but one of the things I struggle with a lot is even with my village, I still struggle with opening up sometimes and, you know, sharing uh, my experiences and my baggage sometimes, right? But one thing that she made me realize was she said, she said, yeah. you're willing to take people's baggage. You're willing to listen to your village's baggage. So you, sh- you should know that you're deserving of having someone also listen to your struggles and, you know, take your baggage as well. So I think that, you know, if you want to have that community, that village, you want them to be your day ones, then you too, you have to be their day ones. That's how life is. You need to be able to give the energy that you want to receive. So you want close friends. You want yeah, loyal yeah. friends. You want mm-hmm. people that will be be with you thick and thin then you too you have to be loyal you have to be you have to be there too thick and thin you you want people to encourage you then you encourage others as well like i feel like there's that's really you know that's the vibe that's the cycle of life really so you 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 have to be there for people as much as you want them to be there for you um and then you know i feel like this is very similar to what i said at first about you know just existing loudly and sharing those experiences but don't be scared to ask for support and for help i think that a lot of times we are doing life alone because we are not asking for 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 any other thing and so there's a lot of reward in actually opening up and you know asking people in your life and saying you know this is what i need right now this is the kind of support i need this is type of things i want like you have to you can actually like you can open your mouth and actually ask for your support you can open your mouth and ask for help you can open your mouth and ask for community like i feel like a lot of times we especially when it comes to like the african nigerian context we're all thinking like can i really like can i go online and really say oh i'm looking for friends that are going to do this or that or i'm like you can you absolutely can like you can do that like let me give you context like i'm currently in a community i'm currently in a close mm-hmm. community where i'm um, like a kind of networking community and the idea is you know young you know women and young people you know coming together to sort of meet each other every week and network and everybody that is there is looking for network we're all looking for community we're all looking for friends like there's no there's no being shy in this thing ask for what you want everybody's an adult like most like i mean if, even if you're not an adult right everybody's a person and you know we are at that stage in our lives if you want something you ask yeah. for it so that's to, to me i don't think you know if you're looking for a community i don't see the big deal of you know for example going to socials and even saying that you know i'm looking for someone who's going to do this or you, you yourself instead of maybe if not even ask asking outrightly and saying i'm looking for this you can actually search for those communities get your research on like you can sit down and actually google and find something like for example yeah. if you like for example something that comes to mind is like for example i know small groups i mean i'm a christian so i will i will give that type of example right so there is like small groups when it comes to like churches and that could actually be a way to find your community you actually taking that step to join a small group in church and you know from there you can meet friends that are going to be with you through thick and thin you can join a club that maybe you, you like to sing you can join a singing club you, like there are so many things yeah. that you can do to find that community so just to um just give a little bit of summary right so the first thing is to exist loudly you have to exist loudly right you have to share your experiences you have to tell your story so that people who have the similar experiences yeah. you can yeah. see you and relate then number two you have to 
you have to give value if you want to receive value. It's not just about take, 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 take. You want to have good friends, you need to be a good friend. So number three, of course, you have to ask for what you want. So you have to sometimes go out and get it, whether by asking, but whether by doing the research, whether by being the one to say hello first. Sometimes you have to make that move. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> thank you for those tips titi they're actually very very helpful i feel like i've learned a lot as well because personally i'm pretty reserved and i'm quite i don't know if i'll describe myself as shy i guess maybe to some extent but Mm -hmm. i'm not one to just go out there and put myself out there unless i think okay i've thought it through i'm a private person but i feel like you are the definition of existing loudly like if you have an issue you you say you talk about it and if you have something that you feel like other people will be interested in you speak out about it you just put yourself out there and i think that that's also very important even if you are shy even if you are reserved you should definitely put yourself out there share your experiences mm-hmm. and that's again something that you really do on linkedin a lot you share your experiences you ask people what they think and mm-hmm. It's so important. And yes, I hope that people listening honestly take your tips to heart and try to apply them in their lives as well. So I have so many questions because as you were speaking, I was like writing stuff down and things like that. And I guess... (laughs) I guess we can segue back into Sisterly HQ um, and just about... You mentioned something earlier, I think in the question before the last question about um about how you learned and unlearned a lot of things and there were many issues that you had but you were able to like I guess get up from it and just try to do better and Mm -hmm. that brings me like to my next question about sister HQ and like what you think your biggest setback Mm -hmm. or failure or uh regret is about sister HQ well we don't do regrets here, Sha. So what you feel like your biggest lesson? Yeah, let's say lesson. Let's not say regret. <laughs> what your biggest Actually. lesson was and or like what advice you wish you had known before you started sisterly or when you started sisterly HQ? Hmm, that's a really good question. So I mean, I mean you said it's all right. We don't do regrets here. So I think that, you know, sisterly everything that has happened for Sisterly HQ um, for the last 10 months has been a journey. So for me, even though I, I mean, there are some things I wish I didn't do and some things that I wish I did, I do not necessarily regret any of them because I feel like they were important for us to get to the phase that and the season that we are now in. So that's just putting that out there first. So in terms of like the struggles, the things that struggle, the things that the the sort of things I feel like the things that I feel like we could have I could have done better right from the beginning I think that at the beginning because um you know I was coming off I was coming very you know off from you know the struggle of whether or not I wanted to start it being a wrong time all of that I felt like I could have maybe worked with people a bit better I could have prioritized collaboration Mm -hmm. very early Because, I mean, I did have, so the truth is, I did have a team that Mm -hmm. I was working with from the beginning because um, most of them were actually people that I knew closely. And, you know, I'm again going to say shout out to my village and shout out to my people because I remember starting Sisterly HQ and I put some of my sisters and I'm like, you guys, I'm doing this thing. Do you want, are you interested? Like, if you want to join Textman, I had like 
10 15 people text me and it was amazing right but even if even even with that even at that or even with that i felt like it would have been really great if i did not necessarily try to like carry everything on my back and try to do everything alone in that aspect in that way yeah i wish i prioritized collaboration and funny how like the whole collaboration had to come as a necessity it was more of like a necessity of me you know really centralizing collaboration it was much more it, it came out more as a necessity for me than even oh okay I kind mm-hmm. of, pl- I don't know if I planned it, but at, at some point, because I had to go to school and I knew that, gosh, you know, like I knew that I didn't want to study history to suffer. So I started, I, I knew I needed to like start thinking about the next phase, which was how I could actually have other people help out so that, you know, um, with my crazy schedule with school, um, society history won't suffer. So I wish, you know, maybe it would have been great to probably have that mindset from the onset and have that collaboration in mind um, before, you know, until mm-hmm. it was necessary was necessary for me to get to that point but then again i do not regret anything because i mean as i said yesterday i was actually i had a call with someone yesterday and i was telling the person and i said um i feel like society hq needed to pass through that first phase for it to get to its second phase so i feel like if there was no Mm -hmm. first phase if there was no that first phase of maybe me trying to like do everything together because almost that time i was i was i was lead editor i was lead social media i was lead or i was graphic designer i was everything (laughs) if i wasn't i feel like i needed to you know go through that phase to get society hq to the point that it was that it is now because the so truth is, even at the time, are. right? Now we have, you know, now we work with volunteers. Exactly. Now we work with volunteers that I don't even have, generally, I don't, I didn't know before they started working with Society HU. At first, when Society HU started, everybody that was working with us, everybody was someone that I had, I've had a personal relationship with, whether from school, from somewhere else, something else. I'd like worked with other yeah. people. I've worked with them on other projects before. But like, I feel like the truth is, at that time, if I'd gone online, imagine LinkedIn or Instagram and say, okay, I have this idea, come and be a volunteer. Nobody will answer me, except like the ones that eventually answer me from like my family and my friends. So at the end of the day, I feel like we needed to get, we needed to have yeah. that first phase. And I'm so, I'm beyond capital, be grateful to everybody who was part of that process and even who is still part of that process up till today so i know that we needed to go through that phase um i mean beyond that i'll take the other issues that you know generally you would have with any non-profit organization is funding so that's always that's always a big one the fact that you know applying for grants and then because you're like less Mm -hmm. than one year old people will be asking proof of concept like i want to see you do this for for two years for one year and then you know one thing i have noticed right which is a bit sad is when it comes to the grant making space and i mean is this controversial i hope not <laughs> so when it comes to grant I, i've realized that sometimes i mean i appreciate that people a lot of grants that i have been finding right have been grants that want you that that want to give you money to start something else to start a new idea and that's not necessarily bad but sometimes it's just like i already have something that is great something that's already going can't give me money to like continue to work on it and make it even better so that's you know sometimes you have those financing struggles (laughs) when it comes to like gosh i don't want to like i mean we don't need to create a new idea let's let's run what we have so that would i would say could you know be another struggle and then generally i know like with working with you know multiple people on a team 40 plus people there's always you know those type of struggles 
but again i would say like i have the best team i have i mean we try mm-hmm. to have a great i mean a workable structure in place but um and we try to keep in mind that everybody that works on the team is yeah. a volunteer and so we're very very we're very serious about ensuring that you know we are not wasting anybody's time nobody's doing more than you know what they can handle we're very keen on all of that but you know um i feel like he can only go better mm-hmm. and better so yeah that's it <laughs> yeah yeah i i love that you said that um you are glad that um sisterly hq went through all those struggles because i i I was part of like the i don't know if it was the first set of people like when you started sisterly hq and it was it's so great to see how it has grown and how it has refined and how it has become this new amazing thing and i'm so glad that i'm a part of it and i've gotten a chance to see all that sisterly hq has gone through the changes that has gone through to be this like powerhouse community of women that are sharing opportunities for women that are writing stories about nigerian women and i think it's great i i guess you also answered like the second question i wanted to ask which was like about how you handled those um quote-unquote lessons or setbacks but i also want to know like what you think your biggest success has been concerning yeah. like sisterly hq what is one thing that you look back and you're like oh my gosh like wow we we did that or i did that um so when it comes to sisterly hq i think for me the better addict i be not adjective pronoun yes it's we did that so because i mean i i always say this to my team members like you guys are sisterly hq honestly so Yes, I, you know, came up with the idea and all of that, but you guys are the heart and soul of Sisterly HQ. So for me, um, mm. the biggest success of Sisterly HQ, honestly, is the fact that we are able to impact people positively. So, um, I mean, I will not give out any names, right? But I've received messages from, like, I've actually gotten, I've gotten, like, DMs, you know. we, For example, let me give you a perfect example. So... I think last year we did like a post on what to do in Nigeria when your private photos are leaked. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of people, a lot of women message us via LinkedIn, yeah. sorry, via Instagram, you know, tell, um, you know, with distress messages and saying, um, sorry, this is what is happening. Um, this is what's happening. What can I do? And we've actually been able to connect them with like lawyers, we've given them tips from the website, we should, you know, send them resources of things that they could actually practically do in those situations. Mm. And I remember there was a day where a friend texted me and she, you know, said, she texted me that, you know, something similar had happened to someone. And this was even, this was, this, this even went further. I think it was a rape case. And there was also the person threatening to leak her private photos and you know she was like she was able to send her resources from our website so that she could handle it and i and i mean i followed through so i know that it got escalated to like the police and all of that and it's mind-blowing that we are able to actually make that type of impact and this is one thing i always tell my team that they should never forget that all the work that they do because sometimes it can seem abstract now to write an article write something and post on social media and you're wondering you know is it really doing anything but the feedback that we get exactly like the feedback that we get from everything that we do is mind-blowing like i mean we've had like posts put up and even people that don't, like it's so mind-blowing because even non-nigerian women i even resonating with some of these things i remember there was a an article that we made and people were like oh my god like i have never found 
mm-hmm. like someone that was thinking the exact thing that I was thinking. Like I thought I was crazy, but like reading this article, I know that it's not just me that is dealing with this thing. Mm-hmm. Like for me, that's like enough. Just that impact, just knowing that we're actually making it different, that we're able to help one person at least for me it's everything and even with like our opportunities and resources as well it's mind-blowing to see like women applying for these opportunities you know um off our social media off our website people saying i went for this job or now i'm equipped with you know this information to apply for this scholarship and you know we even did this our scholarship one of we did this thing um two three months ago in april we did this um opportunities for women scholarships events where we had like three amazing fantastic women yeah you know come to share their scholarship stories and we actually had people that had been looking for this type of information you know we had it direct them at their fingertips so it was just mind-blowing for me really and i would say i think i, I feel like i've <laughs> i've spent too much time on just it's supposed to be one thing but for well, yeah you just have to manage me like that <laughs> um so yeah um i would say the last thing for me is the fact that we've been able to collaborate so just the fact that, I mean, we've had impact outside, but we've also have imp- we've also had rather impact internally. So the other week, I mean, I, I mean, last week or so, I, you know, I jumped on calls with some of team members just to check up on people. And it's just amazing to see that we've actually been able to make impact in-house as well. I spoke with another person yesterday, the old day yesterday, um, not almost, not all day actually, like an hour or so yesterday, um, you know, just about, you know, starting our own initiative on mental health. It's amazing to see the kind of change that we're making in-house within our own team as well and you know the beauty of collaboration and you know even giving empowering the women that work with us in-house so for me it's just a mixture of everything so our external impact and our internal impact and it's just like so beautiful for me to see and yeah that's it (laughs) yeah yeah i think you're right like this also shows that even if like something you're doing is seemingly small that you are affecting people and even if you just affect one person and help one person now that is enough so but of course sisterly is growing and continues to grow and is affecting more and more people and that's amazing and recently we hit or you hit well yeah we hit as sister hit you hit twenty thousand views Woo! congratulations first of all and like i love that many people are being yes (laughs) more people are like reading about sisterly hq and being impacted by the articles the opportunities column and all of that but like what are your plans for like sisterly hq's future what's what do you want sisterly hq first of all what do you want sisterly hq to achieve in the future like what are your goals for it and of course what what are your future plans as well for sisterly hq yeah these are really good questions <laughs> so yeah thank you so much yes we eat 20k actually 21k so that's very exciting shout out to everybody who supports us and of course you as well so yeah um in terms of the future of sisterly hq um i mean i am a type a individual so you can bet that i have you know some five-year, ten-year plans and all of that. <laughs> but um, for me, as long as Sisterly HU is being true to its mission, which is two things, right? To tell the authentic stories of women and to connect women to opportunities and resources that help them to be the best version of themselves, I'm good. So um, our goal is by 2030, we want to be able to reach 
20% of Nigerian, young Nigerian women that are obviously on the internet, just because that's like really our target audience. Um, and, you know, it's a journey and we're going there. We're mm-hmm. going, we're going, we're going, we're going. <laughs> but that's really the end goal for us. And um, I'm really excited to, you know, see how that unfolds. Um, one thing that I've learned just being a founder or working, you know, with something as amazing as Sisterly HQ and the people that we work with and, you know, the people that are being impacted by it is I've learned also the value of being flexible because, you know, I've realized that, you know, start, starting anything is is one thing, but growing it and, you know, ensuring that, I mean, growing it is something else entirely. I, I mean, I would say this thing that, at some point you realize that what you've created is bigger than yourself and i think that it was it was the big, it was this year it's 2022 that i really realized that society issue is going to be way bigger than i can ever fathom it's going to be bigger than me it's going to be bigger than anything i could have imagined that i wanted it to be and that's 100 like i'm here for that so i think that you know having plans and all of these things are great but there's also the place for flexibility and understanding that, you know, as you grow older, as your organization, you know, makes more impact, as you work with more people, as things open up, as more ideas come, there's also the chance that you will be flexible and your organization will also, you know, be in different seasons. So I personally think that Sister DHU has gone through two seasons. And I, I mean, I can say for a fact that I know that we're going to be entering a new season very soon. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I don't have... I don't have all the ideas of what exactly that would look like, but I definitely know just because that's life and, you know, things evolve and, you know, um, as long as we're making that impact, but definitely the numbers, the goals, not the numbers, the goal is to ensure that we reach 20% of young Nigerian women on the internet by 2030. So, yeah. I love that. And I feel like you will definitely achieve that goal. Like, obviously, slowly but surely, it's not even slowly, to be honest, surely. Like, you're getting there and you, who knows, you might even hit it before 2030. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, hopefully. Like, I'm rooting for you. Of course, I'm on the team, so I'm rooting for us, <laughs> for the Sister HQ team. And yeah, I know that, like, you're going to do amazing things, but I love how you said that. You can't really, you can plan, but honestly, you can't really plan because you never know, like, what could come up. You mm-hmm. have an idea, but, mm-hmm. like, Again, like I said, you could hit that 20% of Nigerian women before 2030. And then exactly. you have to rethink your goals. And yeah, um, I'm just I'm just happy that you started this um imp- the, this project and yeah. You you've mentioned you said so many like uh-huh. useful things. You've I've learned so much about Sisterly HQ, about how it started, because some of the stories that you mentioned, some of the things that you mentioned, I knew. But I didn't know about like other things about um what really pushed you to start Sisterly HQ. But let's apart from Sisterly HQ, you also like talked a lot about yourself, mm-hmm. about how like all the things you've achieved <laughs> and all the when you were talking about Sisterly HQ, about how you got to that point, you were just mentioning things and about the um Wikipedia thing you did um I, I don't remember what what you called it <laughs> um the the books that you did in when you were in the University of Lagos Wikipedia yes yes exactly Wikipedia Edithathon I did Tathon the Wikipedia thing shot <laughs> but, <laughs> 
I know that you do so much apart from Sisterly HQ, but I would also like to know like how you've balanced your time or how you've been able to balance all the other tasks you do. And you're in law school and I've been through law school and I know it's not easy. <laughs> like people can tell you how law school is, right? But you wouldn't be able to like experience it fully <laughs> till you are in it. Like someone can tell you, oh, this is hard, oh, this is hard. Like, yeah. When I got into law school, certain things that people tried to like, I don't know if they were trying to scare me, but people yeah. said about how, oh, reading cases is hard and this and that. Oh, no. One thing people said was doing drafts is extremely hard. Mm-hmm. And please, anybody that's in law school right now, please don't do what I did. I learned all my drafts like a week before yeah. exams and I didn't forget them. And I, honestly, I still remember yeah. them right now. So, <laughs> like, everybody's story is different. But, like, I would like to know how you are balancing like time with Sisterly HQ. I know you mentioned that you sort of taking yourself out of like the centralized role. Like people still know you are the founder and you still have like a say in many things. But how can you how are you balancing your time with Sisterly HQ yeah. and law school? And I know you're going to yeah. Canada soon. Canada way. <laughs> but like how are you balancing that with all your other tasks? How, oh, sorry, one more thing. And how different is life now <laughs> after, like, starting Sisterly HQ? So, um, yeah, those are really good questions, my God. Um, in terms of balancing Sisterly HQ and every other thing that I have right now, um, first of all is, I would say, the grace of God. <laughs> Just because I cannot, like, I don't even know how I do it on my own because I don't, I don't even do it on my own. So um, the God factor is so important to me. Um, God has always been so faithful to me in terms of the people that he gives, the people that he He brings to me, the resources that he gives to me. God has just always been so faithful to me. So that's just like first and foremost. Um, then second thing I would say is I've learned to act for support. <laughs> and I still struggle with it sometimes. But I know that at least that one, at least I tried my best to really ask for support. For example, when I knew I was going to start this, um, I was going to go into law school, I knew, and I mentioned this earlier on, you know, on this call, that um, I I knew that I couldn't do it alone. I had to be realistic. I mean, I always, I, I used to say that, oh, my, if I say I wanted, if I say I wanted to do, like, Shakara and say I want to do it by myself, oh, my God, Sister Lee would have died a long time ago because there was no way in high water <laughs> that I would have been able, that I would have been able to do it by myself. So um, I think just asking for support was very important and, you know, give, putting systems in place. And, and and then again, maybe it just goes to, like, again, I'm a type A individual. I, I like things done in a certain way. I'm very, I, won't call, I don't call myself a perfectionist. I feel like that thing can be derogatory. I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> but I like things organized and, you know, I like things done in a certain way. And I think that, you know, that really helps me right now to keep it balanced. The fact that, you know, with Sister DHU, I've put systems and structures in place to ensure that I'm still on top of things. So, for example, having a monthly call, I mean, you know, with my leads every month, just to ensure that at least I know what's going on, I know what's happening. Having you know automated systems on Slack that could that would you know cut out some of the things that I had to do, or some of the things that even some of my other member team members have to do. Um, so yeah, shout out to Zapier, shout out to if this then that. Almost automate your systems and save yourself some time and stress. <laughs> then um, also I think that um, I think that just knowing just just knowing that you can't do anything alone really is just really what's going to help you just knowing that you can't do anything alone and asking for help as, asking for support trying to find systems and tools there's so see we live in a world where so many things have now become easier because 
there's like so many tools like your phone your laptop like there's so many apps that help so you know one thing i've always said is um i know that like we all trust our brain to be very our brain is amazing like wow our brain is a powerhouse for most i mean for everybody but i would say that there's also that you need to be we need to be honest with ourselves and understand that we're still human so for example some of the things i use to make sure that i don't forget i use my notes app a lot I use my calendar, um, sorry, no, I use my calendar a lot. So I'm always like putting stuff in my calendar, like making sure that so that I don't miss anything out. Because sometimes I know that if I don't put something in my calendar or more, I will forget. <laughs> my alarms is my best friend. Focus mode is my best friend. So I try to use these. I'm not perfect. So I wish I was. I'm not perfect. But, um, you know, at least I use these tools that, you know, God has given me in terms of like my phone, my apps, and I try to make it work for me. Then also, I know my limits as well. So, um, you know, there's there, there's always, I think a lot of times, especially with um, people that are sort of high-performing individuals or so, we tend to, we tend to, or high-achieving individuals, we tend to, we tend to take on a lot. And I'm sure that you can relate with that as well. Like we can, we'll take on the entire world <laughs> sometimes. And, and that's not good. Sometimes we need to understand and we need to learn how to say no. We need to know our limits. Like, I feel like I'm still learning how to do that because even within law school, right? Um, sometimes I found myself in situations where I shouldn't be in because I wish like I sometimes remember I was like, God, I wish I just told people, no, I can help them to do this thing because I've not, but I'm also, even with that, I'm learning to even tell people and say, no, please, I've done my own part. I'm not the only person that is in this group. <laughs> I cannot kill my, like, I remember there was a day last term where I literally, I can't remember what happened, but I was like, I was pushed to my limits. Like I was like, I mean, you might be like, if I do anything more than this, I'm actually break, I'll break down. So we need to be able to know our limits and we need to be honest with our limits and we also need to be vocal about our limits because when we have limits but it's in our heads and we're still sucking up all the wahala and all the stress then it's not doing anything for us so know your limits but also communicate your limits so know when to tell people no um i know i, I mean before like i used to be someone who and I, it still happens now where like i can't say I, I won't say that i can't say no to anybody but the truth is i mean if i can do something to help i'm very likely to say like yes but in the last like few months or so, I've learned to say no to people and, you know, tell people that I can't do this right now because I have had a lot of things to do today. I remember there was, oh my gosh, I remember like three, like two months ago. No, actually in April, I think it was the day that we had the Sisterly History Opportunities for Women event. Then I was invited by an organization that is so dear to my heart, actually really, really dear to my heart, um, you know, to do another thing um, for them that evening, like another like a like a chat with them or something on Twitter spaces or something that evening. And typically, normal day, I would have said yes, but I just thought about it. That, ah, sister, from, tw- I mean, what time do we even start that sisterly history event? From like three or four to like six. Yeah, yeah, like you're busy, or like you, you're doing like an entire show for like three hours. Then you now want to come again by eight. Like, who are you? Like, what do you think? Ah, do you want to break down? So I had to just, I had to just, you know, very politely and just, you know, explain and say, uh, this evening I'm doing this I will not be able to do this and one thing and then I went a step further by actually now suggesting possible speakers so I suggested one of my friends who I knew was even a fantastic person she had so much experience in that field uh, you know when it comes to gender equality a friend I actually met on LinkedIn funny enough and you know they were able to reach out to her I also told her that they were going to reach out to her and they had a fantastic chat and I didn't kill myself 
and you know everybody was happy at the end of the day so i think that when it comes to especially like um type a individuals or even anybody generally i think we need to debunk that mentality that if i don't kill myself or i don't do all these things and I, every, my place is not so like my desk is not so full like this life will not go on and you know um this thing will feel it's a lie it will go on like honestly i'm serious like sometimes you think that you are, and i think i also have to learn i also am learning as well like if i don't do this thing then it's not going to work out and it's going to be terrible it's a lie it's not going to be terrible and if it's terrible you'll be fine because that's how life is so i think just knowing your limits and then communicating your limits and not you know don't don't kid yourself that you are that you know you are that you are i mean you are indispensable no, no talk about that but you don't have to carry all the struggles of the world on your back to show that you're efficient or anything you can actually say no you can you know delegate to other people you can delegate to tools and apps like i said earlier you know these things are here for you to exist and of course don't forget like if if you believe in god there's like the g factor the god factor is very important what you said about the importance of saying no and that is something i preach about now because i know that when i was in unilag every opportunity that will come my way i'll say yes even if it wasn't beneficial to me and i know that i feel like it's so important to learn like the power of no is just so so important the power of saying no the power of knowing your limits it's so necessary because i feel like as young people yeah. we feel like we need to take on many opportunities and you know like when you check out opportunities online and you see things that you'd like to apply for you see that they have like an age limit and stuff like that so i think that there's this pressure on us to just try yeah. and do everything that we can before it's quote unquote yeah. late. like <laughs> before we lose all these opportunities and even before I turned 24, like I did something on LinkedIn, I, which I haven't finished, but I should probably get on that and finish that, about talking about like 24 lessons I've learned in life. And one of the lessons was definitely saying no and just being being confident enough to say, okay, this is not for me right now. And if the person that you are telling no to is upset, mm-hmm. then honestly, low-key, they don't really care about your well-being because they should understand why you said no and all of that so yeah i think that that's definitely something important Mm -hmm. that you pointed out and you also mentioned the importance of a team people i don't know we've done muns before model united nations for people who don't know they're like a simulation of the united nations conference where students and delegates (laughs) come together represent countries there's this high achieving thing traits that is in every model united nations person that you because even when you're in a committee you're put into a committee and you're expected to like be diplomatic but also make sure that your name is not added (laughs) on the resolution or a working paper and you have to make sure that you should you can try and make sure that you're in more than one block and make sure that your 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 solutions are heard and all of that so there's this mentality that you just have to be the best (laughs) and you just have to do things on your own and again in modern united nations it's a bit toxic (laughs) i know not every everyone is like this but i have attended some in the past where you have to make sure that because there were situations where like maybe a delegate will remove your name from a working paper and you work on that working paper so there's also this like me 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 complex where you is like you have to fight for yourself or like my mom always says you have to fight for your shirt so i like how you said also the importance of having a team and delegating stuff and 
you will still be the founder of the thing. Nobody is going to take your glory away. But it is mm-hmm. important that you, yep. again, automate stuff, delegate stuff, and learn how to mm-hmm. give a task mm-hmm. to someone else. Yep. And you've done a lot of that. And you are still known as mm-hmm. the founder of Sisterly HQ. So I guess that that's something important for every person that is also starting a social impact project or it doesn't have to be a social impact project, just starting something off that it's okay to delegate, especially if it's someone you trust. I'm not saying give give your task to just anybody, exactly. but like someone you trust at least. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. Yeah. Um, We're almost done, Titi, so okay. don't worry. I know like this seems like it's getting <laughs> long, but I just want to yeah. make sure that we cover all our bases. And I know you have so much knowledge yes, to give. So, so yeah, I just want to make sure. Um, okay, so, yeah, yeah. So, um, as you might know, Kureria means change. It's a, it's a word in my, in my language, Isoko language in Nigeria. It means change. Makureria, mm-hmm. which is the full, usually the full version of it means let us change or let us make a change. Yeah. But I'd like to know, like, what does change mean to you? Wow, that's a very, very deep question. That's so deep. <laughs> what does change mean to me? There are some words that they don't have definition because they mean so much to different people and they're so vast and it's just like how can you begin to explain what this means but you know i like that you meant i mean that you said what is what does change mean to me as a person so i'll try to look at this through the lens or perspective of you know my life and you know what change what um you know what role change has played in my life and what role i have played (laughs) with change so um i think that change to me is very you know similar or synonymous with impact so i think that you know to have impact you must make change and to make change you have to like make an impact so um to me it's just doing something that is bigger than yourself and something that is positively influencing others in some way or the other so for me that 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 is change so whether that means you know you are affecting you're affecting one person you're positively influencing one person or one million people i mean to me that's changed our world is very skilled to the big things and we tend to think that you know if i'm not impacting if i don't have 20k views for example or um i'm not you know i'm not giving away one thousand dollars then what type of change is that right but I'm someone who thinks that change is the little things, it's the middle things, it's the big things. So change is, you know, you having a conversation and being able to show someone that, okay, gender equality is a must to have the world that we want. Change is you, you know, marching, you know, going to women's march or, you know, marching against police brutality or, you know, um, gender inequality. Like that is change. Change is you like doing a research paper talking about the effects of maybe domestic violence in Nigeria and how to curb it or something like this is change. And I think that, you know, everybody is a change maker waiting to burst out. And, you know, we can even be change makers in our own sphere of influences. Um, just to sum it up again, I think that, you know, change is very synonymous with impact. Um, you know, you got to make you got to make change to make an impact and you got to make impact to make change. And it's very important to remember that change, um, you know, with change, you're doing something that's bigger than yourself. Um, at, at that time, you are existing more than you're, you're looking at the world um, in a way that is bigger than yourself. You know that you are just you are just a pencil in the hands of the creator. <laughs> 
but you know that you're just it like you are just like you are you are you you are important to the grand scheme of things but you do see that like the world outside there exists beyond you and you want to do something that is beyond yourself pretty much so yeah that's changed to me i hope i've not convinced i i hope i've been able to convince and not confuse you <laughs> about what change means to me you've <laughs> like been reading my notion page on kurere because this is exactly <laughs> like what we want to achieve through kurere it's about like just a random uh, not random nobody's random but somebody on the street that you can make change and it doesn't have to be you working at the un or um being like a political activist in the front lines that even you just educating yourself that's change Ed- educating yourself about like a misconception that you've had is change spreading that knowledge is change and it's it's honestly that is the vision of career just showing people that little that they do yeah makes a big difference in the world and i think like you summed up like what change means to me even like that is how i see change that there is something in everyone yeah. that can yeah. like affect basically the whole world and um i was listening to like a radio my mom's radio show recently and she was telling a story about um yeah. recycling and all of that and the um radio show like the one of the OAPs said that there was someone who was in school with her who would always like tell people like if you throw something on the ground he would tell the person to pick it up and the people would reply with well everybody does it and he said that if one person does doesn't do it it will affect other yeah. people and my mom also gave a proverb that when you sweep your front least the the steps in front of your house the whole street will be clean mm-hmm. and it's just about you doing your part you, what you're doing doesn't have to be grand or like a huge launch or anything just just do your own little thing and you realize that like you're changing the world in your way in your own way so yeah um I think like that. You've also answered the next yeah, question yeah. I wanted to ask. Ah, yeah, just on top of it today, because ah. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you think people can make a change in their community. Yeah. But I'm going to switch the question up a bit and say, how do you think people can make a change in their communities as it relates to women or Nigerian women? Mm, that's a good question. Does that question yeah. make sense? It does. I think that um, again. I mean, I would use a bit of what I've said before about you understanding that change is whatever you make of it. So even if it's the little things, right? Again, people are who think that, you know, being a change maker is necessarily, you know, starting to study HU or starting career or, you know, doing all of these big, bold things, which are very important, right? But I think that, you know, um, the point of starting these organizations in the first place is so that people, we can, like everybody, you and I can do these little things in our everyday lives. So the truth is, um, solving gender equality is, or, you know, um, ensuring that, you know, we have change as regards gender equality in Nigeria is something that falls on each and every one of us. And, you know, the little, at the end of the day, it's going to be these tiny drops because not everybody can do what Ford Foundation is going to do or what um, Bill and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or what Society H is going to do or what Career is going to mm-hmm. do. Or what, tiny um, drops make an ocean. Exactly. Or what Mirabel Center is going to do. 
at the end of the day, tiny drops make makes, yeah. a, makes an ocean, as you said. And, you know, it's this little, little things that are going to all add up. So for me, I think that when it comes to being a change maker in terms of gender equality, especially in the Nigerian context, there's a lot of work that we have to do on ourselves. Because the truth is, I feel like we, most of us did not grow up in a non-patriarchal home. We, almost everybody, like, let's say like 95% of Nigerians, I don't have the stats, so, but I'm... I'm almost very sure about that. Like, it's patriarchy is the way of life. It's so normalized here. So there's going to be a lot of learning and unlearning that you would have to do as an individual. And, you know, it's something I still do. Like, I have to do this every day, you know, calling out myself, calling out my friends, you know, calling out toxic behaviors that I see that, you know, perpetuate gender inequality. So there's a lot of work that we have to do in-house. Then number two, we need to, you know, be very, especially like in this day and age where there's a lot of perform- performative, yeah, performative nonsense all about. Like we need to ensure that we are living, we are living and breathing what we say we believe in. Let me give you a perfect example, right? You, you'll be shocked to know that a lot of feminists or a lot of people who believe in gender equality, and I'm, I'm, I mean, and I mean, I mean, I'm not naming. This is, I don't want to sound. I don't want this to be controversial, but I'm not naming it. You know, I'm not. I'm not shutting down anybody, or I'm not saying this. I'm not just. Um, come. I'm not just saying this. This is a conversation I've had with people. I know. I know. Like these people are so passionate about women in politics and inclusion and. You'll be surprised to hear them say, oh, Nigeria is not ready for a female person. What does that even mean if that's not patriarchal thinking? Yeah. Why not? Gosh. And I'm sure these people don't like these people, like literally, like these people will come and be talking about experience. And I'm not saying experience is a good thing, of course, always a good thing. But if you are not talking about experience when it comes to men, but the first thing you talk about when it comes to women, you don't even know anything about her. She doesn't have experience. You have a lot of unconscious biases that you need to sit down and walk through, even if you've been a feminist and you wear the shirts everywhere. So, you know, there's a lot of work that we need to do internally. There's a lot of unconscious biases to fight. There's a lot of conscious biases to fight as well. You know, very so many things are very and there's you know, and then we need to get past this performative nonsense and really get into into you know doing the real work and making sure that our actions speak louder than our yeah, words because that's so important right so just being a change maker first of all work on yourself you know ensure that you are living your your ensure that you are what you say you are <laughs> and then you know of course um you know always have those conversations i think that people i mean i just said actions are louder than words right yes and i agree but you know there's also a place for words especially coming from the Nigerian context as a place of having these conversations, you know, standing up for what you believe in, existing loudly, and you know, being able to say, if so, if you see someone doing something that is wrong or something that you don't agree with, you don't just keep quiet, you address it, you call it out, and say, you know, this is nonsense, because you you you, you don't know those little things honestly can be the thing that will set a precedent for someone that is watching, especially for the younger ones. You know, I've been in certain situations where I'm like, this is rubbish, oh, and I and I've spoken out, and then I'm sure. You know, I'm sure that someone that is much younger, actually, no, I'm sure I've seen people that are much younger, you know, asking questions about it after and say, oh, I've never seen it this way, right? Because you, in a way, especially when you're older, you're a role mm-hmm. model for a lot of people that are coming after you. So that's very important to use your voice. I always say this, yeah. like, I'm, I'm able to use my voice because of the amazing Nigerian women and non-Nigerian women that were able to use their voice. So I use my voice so that, you know, the women that yeah. are coming after me, 
can look to me and say she uses her voice so she uses her voice rather so i too will use my voice so it's it's like a cycle whether we like it or not that's 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 where mm-hmm. we are at <laughs> so i mean do it for yourself but also do it for others that are coming um behind you and then of course please put your money where your mouth is <laughs> i cannot underemphasize that gosh <laughs> put your money where your mouth is like i feel like a lot of times a lot of people you know believe in gender equality all of that but it costs money that's just the truth. Like, mm-hmm. that's just the truth. Honestly, look at all these amazing organizations. Mirable Center, um, was was um, Saint Rape, This other one, like these organizations, they do so much mm-hmm. for women when it comes to domestic violence, sexual abuse. But they're not like I don't like even if yeah, they're doing it for free. But like medical test kits, they cost money. <laughs> Psychotherapists that yeah. went to study for seven years, they cost money. Like, rape kits cost money. Research costs money. Like, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not, that's just living it. Do you understand? We live in it. Like, so we need to support these organizations that are doing this very important work. We need to support them a lot. And I understand that not everybody, because even being able to give and donate to all these organizations is a privilege in itself. But I think that, you know, yeah. we need to, like, especially people that live so much in their equality, we need to back our actions. Not We need to back our words. Not only with action, but also money as well. Because, you know, a lot of times we... Mm-hmm. Ah, gosh, these organizations, they need money. It's not... Like, I feel like if if you're listening to this podcast and you have, it, I have time, maybe if you, you know, know somebody or if I go on, like, go and check the reports of these organizations and see how much they actually spend. And many of them are transparent about it. Like, it actually costs money to make change. Yeah. <laughs> Whether I like it or not. Like, I mean, yes. I mean, it doesn't cost anything to make change. But in the grand scheme of things, like, you can't remove, like, even having access to finances and funding will make you do, like, it's going to help us even do and achieve better rights. And then when it comes to technical stuff a lot of times, yes. all these technical things, like, dealing with, you know, um, survivors of sexual violence it needs money justice like pain like not mm-hmm. like i don't know how to explain even justice needs more like you need to like support these people with your money so i know that any for anybody that is reaching that is watching and um, that's listening to this if you can afford it because again i know that donating and all of these things are a massive privilege but if you can afford it please sit down you know identify at least one organization that you care about and make a commitment that, okay for the next six months i will support these people even if it's 500 naira 500 naira times six that's three thousand yes. naira trust that three thousand naira could be the difference that, that three thousand naira could literally be what can purchase a rape kit for a woman so like i feel like a lot of times mm-hmm. we we look at all these organizations that are doing amazing but we need to actually support them with money because these people are not funded by a lot of organizations that who is funding is it government that's funding them really <laughs> so we need to fund them we need mm-hmm. to fund them to do this work because work that they do is important and then of course i know that you know people might have reservations yeah. and corruption and everything so that's why you do your diligence as a person you want to fund something it's on you to actually sit down and do that research you know find out whether they have reports whether they're incorporated whether you know this and that like you have to like for me i you know i do yeah, how they manage their exactly. exactly exactly so for me i'm privileged to donate to some organizations every month and i make sure that the ones i donate to i can see their impacts like this real life like i know like i can actually see yes. how they make I, you know, I, I'm sure that my money is going where it needs to go. 
Because again, I know that actions are important. Mm-hmm. I know that words are important, but money too is very important. Funding is so important. And you know, if you do the statistics, you'd see that. I, I mean, I, I did a research on it earlier this year. I saw that. I think they said 96% of feminist organizations are actually underfunded. <laughs> so, I mean, 96%. Wow. So it's like, ha. Yeah. I was mind blown. I think it was Awid. It was wow. yeah, 96%. yeah. I saw it on it was it was an Awid and Awid um Awid is an organization and Awid researched um you know that brought that out and I was like mm-hmm. wow wahala. So it's very very important to fund hmm. these organizations too. So yeah, thank you Titi. And as you said, like it's a privilege to donate for people who can't even donate. And if you you happen to be listening to this podcast and you can't even mm-hmm. donate, like sharing the work of these organizations, I think is also very important. Telling people about, mm-hmm. because there is somebody that you might inform about, like the work an organization is doing that would have the funds to donate, to support mm-hmm. And to just help with the running of these organizations. And that is such a scary statistic that so only 4% of like feminist organizations are fully funded. And even that fully funded thing, Seth, mm-hmm. like we don't know that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's shocking, honestly. But also, I'm not surprised because of the. Like in Nigeria, the way like feminism is seen, Seth, like. You know the whole angry Nigerian feminist thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's like it's... <laughs> gosh, exactly. Gosh. Well, um, thank you again, Titi. And it's a lot to unpack. Yes, it is actually. <laughs> thank you for those things, Titi. Um, I don't know if you'd say you've answered this, but like, what do you think the winning formula is for a young person who wants to make it? In- um, I personally don't think that there's a winning formula for, you know, there's one winning formula for, like, everybody to use. I think that, you know, um, we all, what works for me is different from what works for you. So we all have each of our plays. We all have what works for each of us. And what I can do right now is just share my experiences, you know, what has helped me and see how it can help others. And, and then, you know, if anybody's listening and then they can pick out what they need for everything that I've said. So I would say the first thing that um, is very important to me in being a change maker is asking questions, curiosity. Because I believe that, you know, you cannot just, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, when you can, yes, you can. I mean, that's what I've been telling you to do. Just wake up one morning and say you want to solve a problem and you want to make change. Absolutely fine. But it's also very important for you to ask important and, like, it's also very important rather to ask the right questions or ask questions, any, whether they're right or whether they're wrong, or just ask questions because, Sometimes you are not able, you, sometimes you need to, when you're solving a problem, it's very important to know the root of this problem. And you can only know if you make the right research by asking the right questions, by seeing what's out there, by really like dancing with the problem and really identifying what it is, is the issue. Because it's very important, there's a place for that when it comes to change making. So being curious in terms of initial stage about asking the right questions. And even, you know, one thing that people believe, people believe that, you know, you know once you start anything, start an initiative, you join a volunteer program, whatever, you know, that's it. But I think that curiosity should never win. It should always continue as you're growing. Because the truth is, as you're growing, you know, you're, you're coming into problems that are more complex. Or the problems that you identified earlier are becoming more complex. So it's very important that you ask 
right questions and you are ever curious even as you're growing in the organization or in your change making journey also don't be scared to look a little bit silly because <laughs> you're going to look quite silly you know um but don't be scared to, to come up as silly even if your questions are you know i don't know i feel like there's no right or wrong question just ask your questions and you know they would work out um i believe in i believe that there's some word in having a sort of system in place and having a sort of structure uh, but then again that may not work for everybody else for me i like to go into i don't like to do things things blindly i like to go into things prepared to some extent and um, i said earlier you can't even as as, as much as i i was prepared in you know with systemic hq and even with other things I've, I've done i like to always be prepared but i still need to be flexible enough so you know what works for you right you know the system that works for you so i think if you're change making journey if you are more a good lucky happy fellow you know you are very good with the flow I mean, work with that that that's what works for you if you are much more oh i need to have everything written out <laughs> you know have that in place as well but i think for either way there's a place for the opposite so where you are someone who is a type a individual you like your like you're the organization queen you like things to be a certain way you also need to have a place for adaptability and flexibility i think that those things are very important and when you're a very happy good lucky you know good flow and spontaneous person there's also a place for rigidity and structure because i mean you have to have structure at some point super important and even if your structure is a bit more flexible and adaptable than anybody else's own you should have still a structure so it's very important for you to have like a system in place a system that works um so yeah that's something i would say is very important then also i think um to be a change maker you have to keep on learning um I mean, this is a bit. This is this is this has been covered a little bit with the first thing I said, which is asking questions. But I think learning goes beyond asking questions. You need to be very hungry to learn. You need to be able to upskill. If you are starting something, especially if you don't have all the funds in the world, if you are bootstrapping, you have a small team, or you know you just have volunteers and you're not backed up by one big organization or something, you are going to learn a lot on the job. Whether you know it's like Zulu, where you had to learn how to design a website. <laughs> Or like, like you know, like me, where you had to like have Canva be your best friend. Like you have to figure out so many things. Like, gosh, you have to learn a lot. You have to go through a lot of trial and error. And I, then I think that there's a place for patience as well. Like patience is so important. Patience is, oh my God, you have to be very patient with yourself. You have to be patient with your idea. You also have to be patient with impact. Because the truth is, when you start making change, you may not see the impact like there and then. Some people will see the impact immediately. The, the day that some people start making change, eh? that's the day, like the second, like the hour, the second. <laughs> for some people, and that's okay, that's bad. But you know, for some others, you're not going to see, you're not going to see that change, you know, that impact until let's say a few days or a few months, or even a year down down the line. But make sure that you are patient, and then also develop your own metrics of success. It's very important for you to have your own metrics of success you have to define what success means to you um you know you asked me that question earlier like what has been like the biggest thing of society hq and i mean i remember that i said something about you know the fact that we're able to help we're able to reach out and all of that amazing stuff so you have to define what it means to you you can't go by my own definition of success you need to ask yourself you know when will i what is the point where i would say that you know impact has been made or you know we are actually working towards our goals or our goals are being reached little by little 
So you have to be the one to make and define those metrics by yourself. Um, I would also say that please take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Honestly, um, you can only make change if you exist, right? So you can't make any change if you exist. So take care of yourself. Take care of your health. Take care of your mental health. No one's take a step back for your mental health. Take care of your physical health. Founder lifestyle can be very... I remember at the beginning, I literally spent like six, four hours like just doing one particular thing and it could just be a lot. And then, ah, gosh, try to make time for things that bring you joy. So, like, don't... Because you're starting something, you know, don't throw away friendship and, you know, having conversations with your people, having fun, you know, celebrate what they celebrated, all of that. Just make sure you should take care of yourself. That's very important. Take care of you. And then, um, the last thing I would say is passion is very important. Uh, but uh, passion is not the only thing. But I believe that, you know, there's a place for passion always. Because the truth is, <laughs> um, what will drive you is what you are seeking to achieve and what you're seeking to change. And, like, that thing that you want to happen in the world. So I think that there's a place for passion. But there's also a place for every other thing I've mentioned. Systems, you know, learning, um, you know, taking care of yourself. And, you know, yeah, and then don't be scared to, you know, ever say that you don't know something. Don't be scared to, don't be scared of failure, I think, or something that looks like failure. Don't be scared to seem like you don't have it figured out. Because I feel like people expect, and that's the thing, once you start, um, honestly, when, once you start, like, being like a chain maker, you start to see that people have so many expectations of you, my God. You now start have, you now, you yourself to now have so much pressure on yourself. And I get, but, like, at the same time, don't lose that you, like, don't be scared of coming up. And I said this earlier, don't be scared of sounding stupid. Don't be scared of, like, saying, I don't know what. Like, I don't have it figured out. Don't be scared of even, like, change. I remember starting to sell HQ and having to change the way that our system, our in-house publishing system run, like, I think one or two times. And, you know, like, at some point, I had a little bit of fear because I felt like, what people would think that this girl, she doesn't know that she's coming again, she's changing again. Like, dude, like, that she doesn't know what she's doing. But, like, don't care. Like, at the end of the day, I think that all of it, your failures, successes, the changes that you make along the way, they all add up to make who you are and, you know, the change that you're making. So it's very important for you to not, like, don't allow anybody or anything or even yourself to pressure you. And be okay with saying, like, I don't know. Be okay with saying, you know, like, Tim, this is what's going on. Be okay with, like, just not being like, yes, girl, go, girl, all the time because that's not life. Like, no, it's not every day that... I mean, for society history, we just hit 20k, right? But before we hit 20k, we're at like 10 or like 100 or even with hitting 20k, right? That's this where like we had issues in house where, you know, deadlines are not being met. Like it's not always there all purpose at all the time. So don't feel the pressure to keep up and make everybody think that because you're crazy, it's amazing thing, everything is perfect and you have everything on lockdown and you don't have any struggles. It's like, <laughs> don't put any pressure on yourself to appear perfect because it never ends well, honestly. So, yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I feel like I've said it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you said it all. Like, I feel like you've definitely given very helpful and practical tips because it's one thing to say, oh, do this, so another thing to say how to do it. So, yeah, I hope that um, any young change maker that's listening or any young um, person that is in social impact or that wants to make an impact in their community has learned lot from what you said but quickly moving on we'll talk about um your future plans personally and 
can also tell us um, where people can find you, follow you, connect with you, and all of that. Okay, thank you so much for that question. Zulu, in terms of future plans at this time, I really, you know, I'm just focused on finishing law school and passing the bar and by the grace of God. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it on that front. Besides that, I'm also looking forward to exploring social impact and especially in the tech space and more. That's really something I'm very passionate about and something I'm looking forward to in terms of my career and my trajectory. So I'm really hoping to explore that and I'm hoping, you know, to really build my presence and have some visibility in that space. So that's pretty much it for future plans. Um, besides that, where can people follow me? So um, you can follow me and, you know, check out my work on Instagram. I'm not, sorry, not Instagram. <laughs> what am I thinking? LinkedIn, rather. So you can um, connect with me on LinkedIn with I'm Unfortunately, I'm not active anywhere else. However, um, any if I'm not active um, on an app, like on a social media app, Sisterly HQ is there. So um, you can always follow Sisterly HQ and also, you know, connect with us. So for example, on Instagram, we are at Sisterly HQ. Then Twitter, Sisterly HQ um, with, I think there's an underscore between Sisterly and HQ. And then I know that we're also on LinkedIn at Sisterly HQ. So that's pretty much where you can find me and where you can find Sisterly HQ as well. Thanks, Titi. And don't forget the Opportunities for Women page on LinkedIn. Yeah, oh, yeah. Thank you for um, reminding me about that. Yeah, so um, we have an Opportunities for Women um, group that we basically like just share opportunities with every now and then. So you could just join that. If you check my profile on LinkedIn, you'd actually see it. So, yeah. Thanks, Titi. Okay, so next question. I guess you sort of answered this, but I'll like let you mm-hmm. i want you to say it again how can people support sisterly hq <laughs> um yeah thank you zuru so um of course people can follow us on all our social media platforms like i have mentioned earlier so um pretty much everything everywhere just it's sisterly hq um however you can also i think most importantly or you can also um um, read our publication our website at sisterlyhq.com um, it's very I mean just go online sisterlyhq.com you'd see our website and you can read all the amazing pieces that our volunteers have put together um, just again you can also follow us on social media we're on Instagram we're on Twitter and we're on LinkedIn as well so you can also follow us there and you know um, share our content with your friends very important <laughs> and also you know um, consume our content as well yeah, thank you, Titi. And I just want to mention that there are different columns in Sisterly HQ. Um, there's the tech mm-hmm. column, the money column, which I like because it's important to have money, especially as a woman in the world. Um, <laughs> there's yeah. a career column for those who need career advice or who just want to find someone that relates to them. Mm-hmm. And of course, the OR column. Yeah. There's a politics column as well, which explores like political issues as it relates to women, but not just like politics. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, more serious topics like, um, should I give away everything? <laughs> no, check it out, sisterlyhq.com, as Titi said, and you definitely find something that interests you. So, yeah. Okay, next question. Yeah, next question. See what are your top three recommendations? So it could be a book, website, podcast, people to follow, a show, a movie, 
anything really even if it's like a habit that you you just form that you think it's important for people mm-hmm. like try to do the same thing so yeah top three recommendations and if you want you can me- recommend more than three things yeah it's fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you zulu so i mean that's a really good question as well um in terms of top three i'm most likely going to more than three things the first thing that comes to mind of course is sisterly hq that's my number one recommendation yeah. <laughs> so i read sisterly hq as the number one <laughs> then the second thing i would say is okay so my friend has one of my friends has this amazing newsletter so basically it's for anybody that's um, interested in social impact and you know just the idea of joy and community it's called the bloom so you should definitely check out the bloom um i think the website is www.readtobloom.com but then the bloom is everywhere so i know the bloom is on linkedin i don't know about other social media platforms but you should definitely check out the bloom um i mean i have been following or i have been subscribed to the bloom for like a year now and it's just been amazing thoughts so please check out the bloom also i would also um recommend morning brew oh my god morning brew is fantastic um you know the tagline says how to be i think it's something about being smart in five minutes and legit like there like there's no there are no lies told pretty much because every every day you get um you know an email that contains um tidbits on whatever is going on in the financial world but then even at the in the world at large i've learned so many things i've been introduced to so many things just because of morning brew so you should definitely check morning brew out and then last but not the least i would also recommend a youtube channel called um improv everywhere now improv everywhere is i don't even know how to explain it very well <laughs> but it's a mixture of pranks not even pranks actually it is a mixture of flash mobs it's a mi- mixture of flab- um, flash mobs and, you know, um, improv, basically. And it's really, really, really cool. So you should check that out. And yeah, those are my recommendations. Thank you, Tiki. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. No problem. Your podcast. Had um, a great time. Thank you for yeah, having me. I'm glad. I mean, we had some technical issues, but we fought through it. And we came out and we conquered and we persevered. And- <laughs> we did. <laughs> We contacted it all. Really Please share that. this episode with your friends because <laughs> <laughs> we have worked hard for it. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> but we've been able to get it done. And I'm really excited. Mm, I know, right? To it and gain yeah. from it. And yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited to listen to it as well. Because I feel like I was there and I was asking you the questions. Right. With, with like the way the questions were and the way yeah. you answered the questions, there's definitely something to learn with like every listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kitty, for your time. Yeah. And it's I my pleasure. And thank you for having me. <laughs> and I can't wait to see all that you accomplish and all that Sisterly HQ accomplishes. Hi everyone, my name is Titi Lokwe Adedokun and I'm a social impact nerd as well as the founder of Sisterly HQ and you've been listening to the Kurerie podcast.